0: Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 2, Episode 171 of this daily podcast focused on the study materials of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We are continuing in June the 15th to June the 21st, covering Alma chapters 13 to 16, Enter into the Rest of the Lord. And we are moving into Alma chapter 14 now, uh, covering a title that says, Sometimes God allows the righteous to suffer. And this is certainly a very relevant uh, title for this chapter. Um, basically, uh, we come to the end of Alma and Amulek's discourse uh, to the people of Ammonihar. And whilst there has clearly been uh, some people that have had an impact from this teaching, they begin to repent and search the scriptures. We read in verse two that the more part of them were desirous that they might destroy Alma and Amulek. And they were angry with Alma. And they were saying that Amulek had lied. And they just basically did not take this very well. Um, so they take them, they bind them. Uh, And they take them to the chief judge. Now, as we go through now this experience with Alma and Amulek, particularly uh, with Alma, I want us to look carefully again for parallels between him and foreshadowing what what would happen to the saviour. We know that Alma and Amulek were taken and were bound by cords and taken to the chief judge, the ruler in the land, the the perceived ruler of the people. Um, And... They went and they testified that they had reviled the law, the lawyers, the judges, uh, and that they they sh- that there should be a son sent from God that would not save them. And basically, these are half-truths. We know that Alma and Amulek did say that the son of God would not save people in their sins, but they testified at length about how he would save them from their sins. But of course, the people are not stating the full truth, which is very similar to what happened to the saviour uh, in his... Um, bringing forth to the chief judge that there was basically lies said about him. Uh, In verse 6, we see an interesting response from Zeezrom. Now, in verse 6, it says, And it came to pass that Zeezrom was astonished at the words which had been spoken, and he also knew concerning the blindness of the minds which he had caused among the people by his lying words, and his soul began to be harrowed up under a consciousness of his own guilt. Yea, he began to be encircled about by the pains of hell. Now, we are, we're looking at a parallel between Alma and Christ. We also need to look out for a parallel between the, the experience of Zeezrom and the experience that Alma the Younger had previously when he was going about rebelling against the church. Uh, but in this case, Zeezrom is aware of this. He begins to be racked with guilt from what he has said and what he has done. The word that is used is harrowed, and D. Og -og I always struggle to say this. D. and Andrew C. Skinner said this about the word harrow To harrow is to plough over hardened ground in order to break it up and make it receptive to planting. Zizem's heart was in effect ploughed and broken. He felt godly sorrow and tried to repair what he had earlier wrought among the people. And I think that we are sometimes afraid of this word to feel harrowed, but to be harrowed is simply just to have your heart broken up so that it is ready for um, planting. And so a very apt um, application of this definition, I would say, in this case. In verse 7, we see what he does. He says, Behold, I am guilty, and these men are spotless before God. And he began to plead for them from that time forth, but they reviled him, saying, Art thou also possessed with the devil? And they spit upon him and cast him out from among, from among them, and also all those who believed the words which have been spoken by Alma and Amulek, and they cast them out and sent men to cast stones at them. So there's a very, very um violent and you know vitriolic uh, response here uh, to the to what has been said, even by people that just believed on the words of Alma and Amulek. Um, Joseph Fielding McConkie and Robert L. Millet uh, said this about Zizram's actions, quote, "'Knowing that he has employed lying words, Zizram's conscience is stung by the doctrines taught in the testimony born. His effort to right the matter by defending our Amulek, however, is rewarded in the same spirit in which previously he sought to abuse and confound them. Might we say that Satan is no respecter of persons, that he will turn with equal wrath upon one and all who oppose him,' close quote this uh, paints a really really vivid picture about what satan is like how his rewards and his um you know his anger to all that um go, you know go against him is is real and so this was certainly the case with zeesrem that he experienced this um this 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 feeling this animosity which he himself had sought to create amongst the people because don't forget we were given quite a specific verse where it says that the judge well, sorry not the judges, the lawyers in the land basically stirred up these kind of feelings that they could get gain from it. And so Zizram here is basically receiving a taste of the medicine which he has prepared himself in Amaniha. He is receiving this this anger and this hate uh, and this opposition because he himself has developed opposition within the city. In verse eight, and this is probably some of the most heartbreaking verses in the whole book of Mormon, In verse eight, it says, and they brought their wives and children together and whosoever believed or had been taught to believe in the word of God, they caused that they should be cast into the fire. And they also brought forth their records, which contained the holy scriptures and cast them in the fire also, that they might be burned and destroyed by fire. I mean, this is one of the most atrocious acts that we read within the book of Mormon, uh, that it's it's not even that they took the whole people or the men, it's the wives and the children, the children who would obviously just so, Innocent um, were were taken and thrown into the fire. George Reynolds and Jan Mattson-Sujodal said this, quote, Why must the innocent suffer? More great and constructive thinking has been devoted to the answering of this single question than to probably any other question with which the mind of man has tormented. It is possible that in this life, this supreme mystery may never be solved to humanity's entire satisfaction. The problem of good and evil is, in a sense, the mother of all other religio-ethical problems, and out of the effort put forth by great minds to comprehend it, there has sprung the supreme art- artistic and spiritual masterpieces of the ages. The fact is, is that this is a question which cannot completely satisfy, uh, be satisfied with any answers. I, as a missionary, when I was going about knocking on doors, I can tell you that this is the single most answered question that I was given when I asked people about their faith and they said that they didn't have a belief in God. And, you know, their their go to response was, if there is a God, then why do all these bad things happen to so many good people? And it was quite eye opening and heartening to see that some people on some level had considered this question of why do so many bad things happen to good people? And on the flip side, why do so many good things happen to bad people? Um, and of course, we, we use this experience in the Book of Mormon sometimes to illustrate that. Sometimes the Lord just requires this to bring them into his rest uh, so that they can you know find peace from the the, the atrocities of life. Perhaps the group of people in Ammonihar was so far gone that for this people, these women and children, the safest place was back with their heavenly father. Um, if they were to stay on the earth, perhaps they would have suffered even further in the flesh. Um, you know, we, we, we can list the, the reasons why these things happen. But unless someone has a faith in God, ironically, they're not going to be satisfied with that answer. Uh, and so, you know, I think there's a catch 22 going on there. Um, but in verse nine, um, we see that Alma and Amulek not only know that this is happening, they're forced to watch. Uh, they witness the destruction the, the destruction of those who are consumed by the fire which again is just horrible. Uh, John W. Welch explained further, quote, After being rejected, Alma was instructed to return to preach in the city to give them the the necessary warning that they would be destroyed if they did not repent. Then, acting as the two required eyewitnesses, Alma and Amulek stood and witnessed the abominable scene of the burning of the faithful innocent wives and children of their followers. This was a revolting experience, but it completed the case against the city and sealed its fate. Close quote. This, in effect, was the final straw. This, in effect, was the final act of the people saying to to their Heavenly Father, we are not interested and we will not believe. And this is, of course, what led to their destruction later on. But in verse 10, we see Amulek's reaction. He says, "Um, how can we witness this awful scene? Therefore, let us stretch forth our hands and exercise the power of God which is in us and save them from the flames. And you have to feel for Amulek, really, because, you know, he lived in Ammonihar. Many of these people he wouldn't have known personally. There, there may even be, because he is a believer himself, his own wife and children within these p- group of people. And I had never really kind of considered that before. But listening to other podcasts who have posed this thought, of course, it makes sense. He, this is his home place. This is his hometown. He's not a, a man of small reputation amongst the people, as we know from his own words. And so, You know, there will likely be at least people he knows, if not his own relatives uh, within this group, uh, which is, of course, um, difficult. What I love, though, is the fact that he does, you know, wonder and have concern for these people first before himself, as we'll find out tomorrow when he, when the con- the conversation continues between Alma and Amulek. But the time is far spent, and we are pushing toward the tenth minute, so I am going to end it there. Uh, there is plenty more to talk about, um, and so hopefully we'll continue and conclude chapter fourteen tomorrow. Thank you very much for listening today. Please keep an eye out for those parallels between Alma and the Savior if you are reading yourself. And we'll conclude looking at those tomorrow because they are particularly interesting. But there was so much here today and hope you've enjoyed it. If uh, you wish to uh, help out with this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review it, uh, whatever podcasting platform you listen to. Please share it with anyone you think might have some interest. You can email Session at gmail.com if you wish to share something you've been studying or, in fact, even join in a future podcast study. Uh, I'd love to have on a future episode so one of our listeners to join in with the study uh, and and be part of a future podcast episode so if you email me if you're interested in that and of course there's the facebook group church of jesus christ study session with come follow me which you can join where i tend to post something most days to supplement what we have studied thank you for listening and until we meet again